the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Happy Thursday, friends, and welcome to The Jenna Ellis Show. I'm Jenna Ellis, and here in Washington, D.C., we are celebrating tomorrow the 2022 March for Life. Of course, this has been an annual event since the Roe versus Wade decision happened in 1973, and pro-lifers from across the country are coming to Washington this week and are still here already uh, to celebrate the advancements for protecting life. And of course, this year is very interesting for a couple of reasons. Uh, First, we are still waiting on the opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court in the Dobbs case and to see whether the Supreme Court will actually overturn Roe versus Wade this year. I have a lot of hope that they will. You can go uh, back and listen to a couple of podcasts that I've done dispelling the two biggest myths on abortion and also breaking down the Dobbs decision uh, the day that it was argued in the Supreme Court. The other interesting element this year for the March for Life, of course, is that Mayor Bowser in Washington, D.C., just last weekend on the 15th of January, implemented very severe COVID restrictions and the vaccine passport. So a lot of uh, tension is happening in Washington, D.C., but that's not stopping the uh, pro-life marchers. And of course, you can submit either a religious or medical exemption to the location as well as a negative COVID test. So don't make the mistake of assuming that everyone who is marching in D.C. or attending any of these events is vaccinated. A lot of people that have uh, very genuine objections to the vaccine can still participate. I think it's ridiculous, uh, these types of restrictions, especially with the data that uh, we've seen over the last two years with COVID. But um, that's that's going to be another interesting element. But I think um, that that's not going to stop a lot of people from coming to Washington, D.C. Reports are that over 50,000 people are expected to march. And that's great. So in just a few minutes, my good friend, Abby Johnson, who, of course, you know, as the former director of Planned Parenthood <clears throat> turned pro-life, she does a lot of great work. She's going to be joining me. But first, Legacy Precious Metals is the company that I trust to give you good and patient counsel for investing in your retirement. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis, and they have no clue how to fix it. Oil prices have skyrocketed, and when oil prices go up, not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. And when and we are already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing that we need. Our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If all your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So gold is one of the very best ways to protect your retirement. No matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. 
Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-528-1903 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com where you can download the free investor's guide. You can also go to my Facebook page, Jenna Ellis. I am a public figure on Facebook and I just posted yesterday a really great interview with the president of Legacy Precious Metals who is discussing why you need to start your retirement account even if you're in your 20s or 30s. There is always a great time to protect your retirement and invest just like you want to protect your health over the long term. So go to Legacy Precious Metals at LegacyPMInvestments.com or call 866-528-1903. And joining me now is my very good friend, Abby Johnson, who you know is the former director of Planned Parenthood, now a staunch pro-life advocate and the president and founder of And Then There Were None. She does so many great uh, pro-life ministries, pro-life advocacy, and is here in Washington, D.C. for the March tomorrow. Abby, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, and you know, this is um, a really interesting year, I think, for the March because we are pending the outcome of the Dobbs decision, and we're also in the midst of Mayor Bowser's really crazy, ridiculous COVID restrictions. Uh, what do you think is going to be the tenor of the March, and is that stopping any of the pro-lifers from coming and marching this year? I hope not. I mean, I hope that, I, you know, I, I from from what I can tell, People are still coming. People are still, you know, deciding to sort of get around this COVID theater, which is what, you know, a lot of us have been calling it. Um, I think people are still coming. I mean, I think people are really energized knowing that Roe is potentially on on its way out. And so I think people are feeling really excited about that. Um you know, I, I mean, already I know people that are on their way in uh, right now. And so I think there's just a really good energy right now. But also recognizing that even if we get the decision that we want in June, there's still going to be a lot to do. So, it, you know, we can't just say, great, we got the, you know, we got what we want in June. And so now, you know. Our, our, we're, we're put our hands and we're done, right? Like abortion's done, right? Abortion's <laughs> over with. We're still going to have a, a lot of work to do. Yeah. And so, and unpacking that, uh, a lot of legal scholars, including myself, uh, do think that the Dobbs decision is going to go the way of protecting life, but likely will simply give the authority to determine abortion laws and abortion restrictions back to the states. So assuming that does happen, uh, what is the game plan or what would be the strategy for pro-lifers when now it's not uh, as much a national conversation as much as it would be state by state? Yeah, so as you know, Jenna, you know, if Roe is overturned, which we're really praying and hoping that it will be, um, you know, about half of the states in the country, abortion will be illegal. And so, you know, then what? Well, many states uh, have been preparing for this moment. So Texas was a great sort of, I think, case study for that with the heartbeat legislation being passed. You know, we have been preparing for what we've been calling a post-Roe world. And Texas being one of the largest states, you know, we sort of 
you know, had a little preparatory time, I think, uh, you know, what's going to happen? You know, almost all abortion is banned in the state of Texas. We have 350 pregnancy resource centers that have really stepped up. They've, you know, amped up their services. We're, you know, taking women in, providing resources for them, even housing resources for them. We've done a great job in the state of Texas. So now it's going to be, you know, okay, we've got, you know, 25 other states that we've got to prepare and get ready. And that's exactly what they're doing. So these states are getting prepared. So, you know, when that, that comes down, as we hope that it will, these states are going to be ready. And now we're going to have to shift our focus as activists, um, you know, legal scholars like yourself. We're going to have to, you know, really start taking our activism and our, you know, put on our thinking caps and say, okay, how can we end abortion state by state now, right? We're going to have to get clever. We're going to have to really, I mean, I was just talking the other day, I was in New Mexico and, you know, New Mexico is really just a place of death. I mean, they've got terrible uh, assisted suicide, euthanasia laws on the books. They've got terrible abortion laws. They've got a late-term abortion facility there in Albuquerque. And I said, you know, you guys are right next door to us in Texas. So when abortion becomes completely illegal in Texas, because we have a trigger ban, I said, when that happens, we're going to have to start taking busloads of people over to New Mexico. You know, we're going to have to start just, you know, pounding the pavement in front of the abortion clinics there in New Mexico. We're going to have to take all of our activism all of our advocates here in Texas, and we're going to have to start going to our neighboring states where abortion will still be legal. We're going to have to be, you know, giving our expertise and just our time and our treasure to go state by state to then make abortion unthinkable and illegal in those states. Yeah, absolutely. In my home state of Colorado is exactly the same where, uh, you know, abortion is legal right up until the moment of birth. Right. And we also have assisted uh, suicide laws that passed uh, very recently. And the trend, of course, in Colorado has been more liberal uh, lately. But there are a lot of people, um, myself included, who are natives of Colorado who've been there um, our whole lives and who are very invested in the people of the state of Colorado, the laws there, and who are very ardent pro-life advocates that are wanting to turn that tide. And I think, Abby, it does uh, a lot of it comes down to exactly what you just said, which is to make abortion unthinkable because, you know, the laws are are there and we obviously want to shape those to reflect moral truth. But if we were a moral and upright people, we would be constrained by the morality of the decision itself rather than necessarily being constrained by the law. And so if we can make abortion unthinkable, and provide alternatives like what you do through so many of your ministries uh, to give young women the opportunity to see how their life can actually be enriched with unplanned pregnancies. And they can see that this is a human being made in the image of God and make better decisions. Then that can uh, that can actually help shape the uh, the landscape of abortion, even in states that we're still going to be actively working on the, on the law. So, what are some um, some stories and some practical ways that you've seen that uh, actually take place? Uh, because I think a lot of people say, "Okay, well, you know, we can talk to these young women, but obviously, they need to also have the option of abortion." Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the thing. 
is that they really don't need the option of abortion. Abortion is not helping these women. You know, there was a, I'm sure you saw it, so many of us did recently in um, New Mexico, a woman gave birth to a baby and then she took her baby, wrapped it up in a, a towel, put it in a, in a, a garbage bag and then threw her baby into a dumpster. And really, only by the grace of God uh, did some people find that baby, that newborn baby, in a dumpster, heard that baby crying. And, you know, I, I mean, it was heartbreaking. And uh, thankfully, the baby was found. The baby was okay. They, they took the baby to the hospital. But, you know, I was thinking just about sort of the society that we have created where, and, and and like I said, this was in New Mexico, where you can legally abort a baby up until the moment of birth. And we've created a society where pre-born children and, and newborn children and, you know, children that are just born, children in general are not valued in our society. They're not seen as valuable. And I was looking at some of the comments on online, looking at some some of the comments on social media, and and I, w- I was really struck by this one comment. There was this woman who was, she had a I stand with Planned Parenthood uh, profile picture as her profile picture, but she was reaming this woman for for you know dumping her newborn child. In a a dumpster. And of course, you know, we're looking at this and we see it as just abhorrent, right? Of course, it's terrible that she would put her child in a dumpster. But, but of course we think that because we think that a preborn child has infinite dignity and value, right? But here's a woman who, who publicly on her profile picture says she stands with Planned Parenthood, our country's largest abortion provider. And I'm thinking we are living in a, a in times where people are so double-minded. Mm. Um, and I'm thinking, how can you even slam this woman for doing this when you support an organization that is literally ripping babies apart, limb from limb, in their mother's wombs? And so we're just sort of living in a culture where we don't value the preborn. And when we don't value life in the womb, we, we just really sort of just as a byproduct, we really don't value their mothers because we are mm-hmm. telling these mothers that you are too weak to uh, be a single mom. You're too weak to finish your education. You're, you're too weak to handle the circumstances that have been given to you. And I, I can tell you honestly, Jenna, as a woman who you know, proudly proclaimed herself to be, a, you know, a secular feminist the whole time that I, I worked at Planned Parenthood for those eight years. There was never a time where I, you know, I sat down with a woman and she was sitting in front of me and I said, gosh, you know, I know you're really struggling. I know you're in a really difficult situation, but man, I see a really strong woman sitting in front of me and you can really overcome this adversity that's in front of you. Never one time did I say that to a woman. And I'm, I'm supposed to be this, you know, this feminist, right, who's empowering women. But every time a woman had this, you know, was, was really 
in a situation where she was having to overcome adversity, every time she sat in front of me, I looked at her and said, essentially, man, you are so weak. And the only option I have for you is to oppress another human being and kill them. And that wow. is the antithesis of empowerment. And, and that's really not what feminism was meant to be. We are never going to liberate ourselves. We can never call ourselves liberated as long as we are oppressing another population of human beings. That is so well said. And it does highlight and emphasize the contradictions and the cog cognitive dissonance that so many uh, feminists purport to uh, to deny and and they go forward and say we can be empowered by taking our lives into our own hands but you're so right Abby that they ultimately when it comes to abortion act like they are the victims of their own circumstances and of course you know they point to the very 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 small fraction of pregnancies that are uh, conceived in rape or incest or other horrible ways. I mean, most of the abortions, and we've seen the statistics, are through uh, consensual sex and that they were just unplanned. And so women want to get abortions because it's convenient for economic purposes, for all kinds of other reasons. And even in those slim fractions of uh, where the conception took place in a horrible circumstance, the solution is never to say, well, I will get out of my situation and I will stop being a victim by victimizing an innocent third party, that unborn child. And so the whole notion of feminism is completely a lie when it comes to abortion. I mean, obviously, there are ways that women should be treated as equals, um, you know, in, in the workplace, for example, and a lot of other places, we definitely have biblical roles in terms of the church. And, you know, we can talk through all of those at a different time. But, um, but in terms of having equal dignity and worth and being co-inheritors of the kingdom of God, women and men are equal in that sense. And But that's not what feminism says. And there is a marked difference between what the world projects for feminism versus valuing femininity. And so when, uh, when you are teaching about life and the truth about life and, you know, how the science shows this, um, we've heard so often in the news that we are the pro-life generation, that the up-and-coming uh, kids who are in college right now and who are learning about all of this have a visceral objection to abortion, but then if they are in that circumstance themselves, then they sometimes will overcome their instinctual objections and choose that anyway. And do you think that that, in, in your experience, has, is that because the church is failing? Is that because um, we aren't providing enough support around this topic in the church? Or what can we do as Christians when we are going to be faced with this on, on a state-by-state -state level and an individual level um, if and when Roe versus Wade is overturned? Yeah, that's such a good question, Jenna. Um, you know, and, and you and I have talked about this before. There's you know, almost 60% of women having abortions are church-going Christians. So I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the woman who went to church once in her life and calls herself a Christian. Okay. I'm not talking about the woman who... 
uh, you know, went to church camp in junior high, uh, you know, had that moment of, of salvation under the tent, you know, at, at the revival, got baptized, and then never stepped foot in it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about almost 60% are actively attending church. These are the women who are walking in to have abortions. And, and, and people say to me, oh, that, that can't be, Abby. That can't be. Women who are having, uh, women who are actively in church would know better. They would know better than to have an abortion. And I'm like, really? How would they know better? How would they know better if we're not talking about it? How would they know better if we are not actively as a church participating in the solution to crisis pregnancies? If we're not discussing this, and, and, and really that could be said of any sin, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that could be said of any Christian. Like if I sin, anybody could say, oh, Abby, Abby wouldn't sin. She's a Christian. She should know better. She should know better. Right? Like we all should know better than to sin, but we do it anyway, right? We do it every day. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, these women, sure they know better. But many of them are are frightened, they're vulnerable, they're feeling alone. 73%, there was a study done by the Elliott Institute several years ago that said 73% of women having abortions feel forced or coerced. You know, these women have a lot of pressure, not to mention the societal pressure, and just the normalization of abortion in our society. We have glamorized abortion in our society. We have normalized it. Dare I say we have romanticized it. You know, it's no big deal. You know, abortion's so simple. It's so easy. It's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. It's almost like a rite of passage for for many women and in many circles. And and so... Yeah, the whole shout your abortion. Yes, of I mean, course. Shout your abortion. It's cool to have an abortion. And so these these Christian women... Um, are are walking into abortion clinics, they're having abortions, and they're being told by family, by friends, and even by some churches. I mean, while I worked at Planned Parenthood, I went to church every single Sunday. Mm -hmm. I went to a pro-choice church. I went to a church where our pastor was sending women to my office so that I could convince them to have abortions. There are many, many pro-choice denominations there are many pro-choice churches. You know, we need to be aware of that and understand that many women are being driven into abortion clinics by their own faith community. And, and so, you know, the church has failed in, in a, a large way, in a, in a huge way, because we are complicit, we are apathetic, uh, we are not talking about these issues, and in some ways... You know, we're even we're even too fundamentalist. So, you know, and I'm very, I'm a very traditional person, okay, in my beliefs. So don't hear me wrong on this, but you know, I remember even growing up, you know, very Southern Baptist, and uh, you know, a woman would get pregnant out, you know, out of wedlock, and the thinking was, well, we're not going to throw her a baby shower in the church. Right. Because then we we're celebrating her. her sin, right? Yeah. 
But you're not celebrating her sin. You're celebrating the life that is within her. And if we're shaming women, then where are they going to go? They're going to go and abort that baby. And so, you know, we've got to do a better job with within the church. We're not celebrating sin, but we are celebrating that life. And we are celebrating the fact that she chose life because she could have very, very easily have gone with that 60% and she could have walked into an abortion clinic. Yeah, and that's that's such a good word, Abby, because um, like you said, with any sin, it's not that we celebrate it, but we do walk with people where they're at and help them overcome and make the best decisions then after they have sinned and chosen sin. And we want people to have refuge in the church in terms of um, not just transparency with what they're dealing with in life, but also to make the best possible choices uh, through working through their life. And there is this stigma that is attached to different kinds of uh, sin where Christians are often very hypocritical to say, well, I would never do something like that. Well, they're participating very openly sometimes and very actively in their own sin. And you're very right that the pastors of churches need to be teaching the truth, need to be standing firm on issues like pro-life, absolutely should not be complicit in any way or encouraging sin, but then also not shaming people for their sin. I mean, Jesus himself said, go and sin no more, but he accepted the sinners to himself because he knew it's the sinners, it's all of us who need Christ. And that's the brilliant, beautiful message of the gospel is that there is nothing that you can do to separate yourself from the love of God, which is through Jesus Christ uh, to the Father. There is nothing whatsoever that you have done or could possibly do. And that doesn't give us, you know, go and, and sin because we have grace abundantly. No, there is a balance. But of course, we need to be actively participating in the lives of our fellow Christians. And when things like unplanned pregnancies happen, not shame these women, but encourage them to enjoy the life that God has given them and and see this as, even though the circumstances um, were unplanned, that this absolutely can and is and should be a blessing in their life. And there are so many different options, um, whether it's adoption, whether it's raising the child um, with family. I mean, there are so many different things. My own um, little brother, who I love dearly, he is a wonderful young man. Um, his mother was an unplanned pregnancy and she was unwed. And thankfully, she chose life because my family has had the opportunity to have my brother be a part of our life and our family that I know God meant for him to be a part of our family before the foundations of the earth. He knew that my brother would be an Ellis and would be part of our family, even though the circumstances of his conception and birth um, were different than most families or, and maybe not even most anymore, but of the traditional quote unquote family, that doesn't matter. His life is still valuable. His life is wonderful. And he has been such a blessing to our family because of the gift of adoption and the gift of life. And so as, as the church is looking at this, Abby, I think it's so important 
that pastors are willing to stand up and teach the truth, but in love and in grace and in encouragement to women. And, you know, even looking at how um, incrementalism, a lot of conservatives are against things like the heartbeat bills, which kind of shocks me. But I see this so often where we are so staunch, you know, all or nothing. And so if a heartbeat bill allows abortions even for six weeks, we can't support that because that's supporting abortion. And I think that's the wrong attitude towards this. What do you think about, uh, or what's your answer to the Christians that push back on that? You know, there, you know, I have to say, I... I understand the passion. I, I, I understand the heart behind it. I do. Um, but I'm, we're, we're seeing so much fruit, um, from legislation like this. You know, I, I think that, um, just since September one, uh, we believe that the heartbeat bill has saved something like 15,000 babies from abortion and I can't, how can I say that that's a bad thing? (laughs) Right. I mean, how can I say that that's a bad thing? Of course, of course we want every child to be saved from abortion. But even, even in the reality that abortion is made illegal in the state of Texas, we know that abortions will still be happening. There's never a perfect solution to ending sin, right? right? There's never going to be a perfect solution for ending our sinful ways and our sinful desires until Christ returns. And, and so the law is only a part of it. And so it's like what we talked about earlier. We have to continue to change the culture. And, and so I'm, I'm going to take the victories that come. I'm going to celebrate the victories that come. I'm, I mean, we are already in contact just through our ministry love line. We're already in contact with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of women who have chosen life and, Mm -hmm. and, and who are currently pregnant right now with babies because of the Texas heartbeat bill. I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn my nose up at that, right? I'm not going to say, well, it wasn't a perfect bill. So I don't care about those babies that are, that are alive today. No, I'm going to celebrate those lives and I'm going to continue to work for complete abolition of abortion in Texas and across our country. And I'm going to continue to work for culture change. Now there are, that is not to say that there are some bills that are deemed pro-life that I think are um, poorly designed bills. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I, there are some bills, for instance, there was a bill uh, that, that was uh, being put forward. I, it didn't go anywhere, but there was a bill that was put forward in a couple states a few years ago that was basically saying if you euthanize the baby before you kill it, uh, then uh, they would, uh, you know, then they were basically saying that this bill was going to kill babies before you dismember them. 
and which is not pro life at all. No, that is that was trying, that was a yeah. pro life initiative that was being yeah, put no. forward in a few states. <laughs> and I'm not one to really speak out negatively against pro life bills. There's some that I'm not really like for, like pain capable bills. I think those are sort of. Um, a farce because I believe babies feel pain way before 20 weeks. Um, so I think it's sort of setting a, a false standard. Of, and, 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 and anyway, babies are valuable even if they don't feel pain. So I'm not like a huge fan of pain capable bills, but I don't come out against pain capable bills. But this bill, these, these few bills that were, that were coming out that were saying, well, we're going to put this bill out because we want to be able to kill we want to kill babies before they're dismembered. That was actually a bill that I came out and said, this is a bad bill. This is not something that we should yeah. be supporting in the pro-life community. There, well, it's not pro-life. It's not pro-life. By definition. It's yeah. not pro-life. Um, but it was being touted as a pro-life initiative. You know, there are a few times where we have to really think and say, is this a good look? Is this a good idea <laughs> for the pro-life movement? Is this actually pro-life? But in general... You know, I think incremental legislation is fine as long as it's saving lives. And yeah. and the heartbeat bill is saving lives. It's saving a tremendous amount of lives. And I think that's really what we have to what we have to focus on. Yeah, that's a really good definition to say just because um, some legislature, some uh, you know author of a bill labels it pro-life, that doesn't mean that it actually is. You have to read the text. You have to say, okay, what does this functionally do? And if the goal and the end result of the legislation is saving lives, then we can say, okay, it is pro-life. But in the in the description that you just gave, and I hadn't actually heard of bills like that and, and that they were actually being labeled pro-life, I mean, that's just an alternative alternative method of killing. It's just, it's um, maybe in a sense, they're trying to tout that it's more humane because the babies don't feel pain. But the end result is still that the child is being aborted and killed. So clearly it's not pro-life. Um, but in just the last few minutes that we have here, Abby, and I so appreciate your heart and your passion for your advocacy in pro-life, um, for your own personal testimony, and for how many uh, women across the country that you continue to bless and impact through your ministries. Um, and looking forward to this weekend, I think it's going to be a great turnout, and it's going to uh, be really exciting to see that maybe 2022 is the year that we finally, the tide is turning, and we are going to be saving even more lives uh, through the overturning of Roe versus Wade. And so um, as you move forward into 2022 and uh, your ministry, where can people, if they're listening to this podcast and you know they're a woman um, in an unplanned pregnancy situation, they have a friend, uh, they have a church member, you know, someone who um, needs to hear from someone like you or benefit from a ministry, how can they contact you and where can they go? Yeah, if they go to prolove.com, uh, they can find out about both of my ministries. And, I, you know, I just want to say uh, we the, our 24-hour our crisis line is called Loveline. The website is loveline.com. And it's it's for anyone in crisis. So, and that, I, I want people to, to remember that website, loveline.com. We have a texting line. We have an email. We have a hotline they can call 24 hours. Um 
you know, it's for single parents, it's for single moms, for single dads, for women in crisis pregnancies, for victims of domestic violence, victims of sex trafficking. It's not just for women who are pregnant. It's for anyone who is in a state of crisis that needs help. So, you know, we had a woman call in one time. Uh, she was checking out of a hotel and, you know, she just asked the question, as she was checking out, you know, to the woman that was behind the desk, you know, how are you doing today? And the woman just broke down in tears. And she oh, was wow. a struggling single mom of three children. And her husband had just left her. And she just said, I'm so sorry. I can't, I can't stop, you know, the tears. And, and the woman checking out was a pro-life woman. And she said, I know who you need to call. And she just called our hotline right then on the phone, right there as she was standing there. We got the woman into some transitional housing, got her some educational help, got her, you know, we have scholarship, we have educational scholarships for moms and dads who want to maybe further their education. We got her some transitional financial help, got her back on her feet, and just right there, you know, as she was checking out of her hotel. So I want people just to keep that yeah. um, just on the forefront of their mind, loveline.com. There's so many people that are in out there in need of help. If you run across... Uh, someone who's homeless and they have children with them and you think they need help, anybody who's in a state of crisis, we can help at loveline.com. That's so great, Abby. And thank you so much for your ministry, your dedication to the Lord and for marching this weekend. And um, I will be hoping and praying with you that our country returns to the Lord and to the truth and that we continue to make abortion unthinkable. And thank you so much for coming on. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Of course. Thanks so much. All right. Well, 2022 is going to be a critical year for America in a lot of ways, uh, not just including pro-life, uh, but also for AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, along with their nearly 2 million members. The fight to stop out-of-control spending in the president's Build Back Better scheme is far from over, and Congress is plotting more legislation that could hurt our seniors. The midterm elections will be a battle for freedom versus socialism. Unlike liberal groups, AMAC is America's conservative, action-oriented 50-plus organization fighting hard every day here in Washington and across the nation for our seniors. So I'm urging you to choose AMAC now. You will receive all of the great membership benefits, including AMAC discounts on hotels, travels, and restaurants, and your membership will support your conservative values. So go to amac.us forward slash ellis. That's amac.us forward slash E-L-L-I-S to become an AMAC member now. Abby Johnson is just one of my dearest friends, and I love how much she champions pro-life from the perspective of understanding that this is our mission as Christians. We need to be daily encouraging other women to choose life, to choose uh, to choose walking with the Lord in every area of their lives. And pro-life is one really incredibly important issue, but we should always be daily encouraging one another to walk in the freedom and liberty and love and truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that touches and concerns every area. And so many people think, um, and of course this is leftist thinking, that the pro-life issue is only for women. You often hear uh, women most often talking about pro-life because of course women, yeah, we are the only ones that can get pregnant. Unlike the emoji that would lead you astray otherwise, the pregnant man emoji, it's so ridiculous. My cousins and I were laughing about that. 
nonstop. Um, but it, the truth, of course, is that women are the only ones that can get pregnant, but pregnancy affects both the biological father and mother. It is an issue that men in the church and in society and in culture need to be speaking about. When Abby was talking about the pressures that young women especially face when they are contemplating abortion, often that pressure comes from their own family members. It could be a father, uh, but of course, a lot of that pressure also comes from the biological father. And so live action and my good friend Lila Rose, who is another just prolific and wonderful pro-life uh, activist and advocate, they put out this uh, short video that I thought was just so brilliant combating this idea that uh, men somehow aren't participants in this particular issue and don't have a seat at the table in terms of the conversation. So watch this. This is a historic moment. Abortion rights are under attack in America. And it's important for all of us to raise our voices. Because abortion rights are pro-choice men's rights. I deserve to be free from any responsibility for some girl I get pregnant. I deserve to enjoy sex without commitment, marriage or parenthood. It's ridiculous to think that just because I'm the father, I'm expected to be a dad. It's her body, and it's her choice. So don't be asking me for anything. And look, I'm a caring guy. If I get a girl pregnant and then abandon her, I don't want to leave her alone with the kid, especially if she might chase me down for child support. I deserve not to be shackled by kids to a woman my age, so when she gets older, I can upgrade to a younger model. Guys, we're forgetting that abortion is mainly about a man's sexual freedom. A woman's sex drive is far more tied to commitment and procreation than a man's. That's why women's sexuality scares me. Women need to submit to a pro-choice man's view of sex. We need to make women understand that when they become pregnant, they're not really women anymore. I'm not really interested in mothers, except my own, because she pays all my bills. Without abortion, I would have had to get a job. Abortion has allowed my girlfriend to chase her dreams of working 60 hours a week to pay for our bills. While I stay home and chase my dream of becoming a professional gamer, comedian, and social media influencer. Why does she need me to take care of her and the kid anyway? It's the government's job to do that. The role of the government is to make my irresponsible lifestyle sustainable. Abortions keep my girl's body looking right. Stretch marks? Yeah. If I had to take care of a kid, I never would have been able to get my Tesla. My Tesla is my baby. The other side will point out that abortion kills a human being. But my right to impregnate a woman and then leave her in the dust outweighs the baby's right to life. Women need the right to abortion because men deserve it. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. I deserve a woman's right to abortion. Abortion is not really about what women want. And it never has been. Abortion is about men pro-choice men. So ladies, thanks for marching. Because you're not really marching for yourselves. You're marching for us. Thanks for being obedient and submissive to what we want. Abortion rights are pro-choice men's rights. 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 At one time, I even drove my girl down to the clinic for her abortion. Because I'm a gentleman. And I make sacrifices like that for women. 
Love that video. And I love live action. I love Abby Johnson's ministries. I love all of the church ministries that are speaking the truth daily to all of the members of their church and also the surrounding culture. So get involved in a church, get involved in reading your Bible daily, be accountable to faithful friends who will encourage you to choose rightly every day. And I will be back with you next week here on the Jenna Ellis Show, and I'm very excited about the March for Life tomorrow. So vaccines have not eliminated the Chinese Fauci virus. We all need extra protection for our immune systems. My friends at Centurion Labs have combined five key ingredients to defend your immune system against allergies, cold, the flu, and even the coronavirus. It's called Centurion Defender, and it incorporates vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, copper, and quercetin in just one capsule. So no more swallowing 10 pills a day or not taking supplements because the individual cost is too high. Just take one Defender with breakfast, one Defender with dinner, and keep on living your life. Just like the Centurions of Rome led by example and held themselves to the highest possible standards, Centurion Labs has dedicated the last 15 years to research and develop safe, effective, and affordable healthcare products made in the USA that you can trust. For a limited time, listeners of this show can save 20% off their first order of Centurion Defender when you visit centurionlabs.com forward slash Jenna and use the promo code J-E-N-N-A. Defend your health today with Centurion Defender. So the website is Centurion Labs, that's with an S, centurionlabs.com forward slash J-E-N-N-A and enter the promo code Jenna. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 